Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program has been on the air, on the Internet here, for uh, eight years. And I've done over 300 programs that are accessible on your mobile devices, smartphones, and your PCs 24-7. Please take advantage of it. I don't know how long that... uh, Y'all will allow me to speak on the Internet. And uh, you're getting this information for free. Uh, I run my ministry differently than most ministries. Uh, I don't believe and nor do I feel comfortable with charging for my teachings. Let me turn to Isaiah chapter 55. This is one of the reasons why. Then I'm going to quote another scripture. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the water, and he that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant or agreement with you, the sure mercies of David. And so that prophecy tells you, because this is a prophecy, it's a book of Isaiah, most of what he says is prophecy, or quite a bit anyway. In this book, he's telling you that, um, giving you an indication that his truth should not cost any money. Let's turn to um, Revelation I mean, for the person to to get it. Revelation, child, of course, is going to cost money uh, for the minister to do it, but God has set up a a way where ministers should be compensated through uh, tithes and offerings or contributions or donations. Um, I was a part of an organization for several years uh, called the Worldwide Church of God under Hubert W. Armstrong. They, They kept the Sabbath and Holy Days. And he never, ever charged for any of his literature. You would get books, quality books, through the mail. And they paid for the postage and everything. They did everything for free. And he built a $250 million um, assembly or, or church. And I'm just telling you that giving something away from free 
through books and booklets uh, is not going to cause you to go broke if you do it his way. And then, of course, he taught the people how to tithe, too, um, and they tithe consistently. And, and that's what I do for my ministry. So if anyone has ever wondered why I, I do what I do, it's because of that. It's because of that example. Um, when I was in that church, I realized that, hey, they certainly weren't hurting for money because they were teaching the people the importance of giving, and they did not um, compel the people to give every Shabbat. Um, people understood, just like the Jews understand, that you must give. They understood that. That was taught, and and, and that's what I try to teach. And uh, for any of you that have listened to me for several years and you haven't given anything yet, and if you and if you are getting something out of this, well, you know, God commands you to, to give. And I'm not going to do a Bible study on that, but uh, you should give to this ministry. Now, I'm not a 501c3, but that should not stop you from giving to me. But that's entirely up to you. And I don't know why I've <laughs> talked about this. Uh, all of a sudden, maybe Yah wants me to, to drive a point to someone listening to this program. But I just wanted to make that point. And the reason why I don't charge uh, for any of my teachings. And I'm trying to find a scripture here. Well, oh, yeah. Revelation 22, verse 17. Uh, this is a um, couple of verses um, in the last chapter, toward the last chapter of Revelation chapter 22. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride says, Come. And who's the Bride? The Bride is the, the first fruits, those who, right now, during the, the time of man, not being close to God, uh, these are the people who first understand the truth. That's going to be his bride. Uh, There's going to be second fruits, and that's going to be Bible study. But anyway, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whoever will, let him take of the water of life, is to say, at cost, no, freely. Now, there is a cost to living this way of life, um, but as far as getting teachings, and here's another scripture, too. Um, let me turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and Paul said to follow his example. And so I do the same thing, because he commanded us to do so. And his words are the inspired words of Yah, despite what people, some people have told me or teach. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 3, do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. Verse 14, even so. And so he's, what he's doing is doing a comparison on how the people uh, gave tithes and offerings. In verse 11, verse 14, even so, or similarly, similarly, the same way, has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So I should be living of the gospel, but... Uh, in the book of Malachi, <laughs> it prophesies that people who preach the truth, uh, people that listen to them aren't going to really give like they should, nor will they appreciate you like they should. And believe me, I'm, I go through that. Uh, people, uh, God calls people to me, to shepherd. And they, uh, I hate to say this, but uh, a good portion of them, they disrespect me. They forget uh, how they learn things or, or, or how, how they were able to get to where they're at now, biblically, and they they just forget about me. So, Kennard, I already know this. I know I already know that, and I guarantee you that uh, there's some things that I know that you don't know, and, you know, vice versa. I don't know everything, 
but teacher is going to learn, know something that you don't know. That's just common sense, folks, okay? And in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14, it says, Even so has the master ordained day that which preach the gospel should live in the gospel, verse 15. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. Verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of it, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a re- reward, but if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Okay, so let me get to the point. Verse 18, What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Messiah without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, servant unto all, that I might gain the more. So that's the reason why I do it, and that's the reason why Paul suggests ministers do that as well, because he said, follow me because I follow Messiah. And in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, we'll be quoting this a lot often because and some people in this movement think that you don't have to take uh, all of Paul's words seriously. But First uh, Corinthians 4, verse 17, for this cause, like some people have told me, well, he just wrote to the Corinthians. Oh, he just wrote to the Galatians. All right, well, anyway, First Corinthians 4, verse 17, for this cause have I sent unto you Timothy, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the master, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Messiah. He said his ways, his way of life was in Messiah as I teach everywhere in every assembly. So all his teachings are for all the assemblies, ladies and gentlemen. So that's enough of that false doctrine that I hear um, sometimes uh, through other people telling me, oh, Canard, he just wrote to the Corinthians. Oh, he just wrote to the Galatians. That's just for the Corinthians. That's just for the Galatians. That's just for the Romans. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and that's not true, folks. All scripture, which includes Paul's epistles, based on Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 3, verse uh, 15 and 16, and account the law and suffering of the master is salvation, even as our beloved brother Shaul, or Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, and there's quite a few of those, as they also do the other scriptures. Okay, so right there, he puts Paul's epistles, and of course all the apostles' writings are scriptures as well. A lot of people in this movement, especially when they get, um, uh, well, I, I, just my experience, those who are wet behind the years with this, they'll read the scripture and say, okay, well this is just talking about the Tanakh, because the Tanakh, uh, that was the only book that was there at the time. Well, true, but, all right, so we know that the apostolic writings also are scriptures as well. And so, yeah, during the time that this was read, it was just meant for the Tanakh, but currently in the 21st century, it is also referring to the rest of the scriptures. So let's not forget about those, and let's not forget that the apostles, the 12 apostles, the original 12 apostles, will have all their names written in the New Jerusalem. Okay, the prophets won't, but the apostles will. So obviously God looks at the apostles as being certainly a very important part of the foundation of the Kahila or the assembly. So let's remember that. All right, this show today 
it's about an important topic. I know some people may have looked at this. Oh, I already know how to keep the Sabbath. Uh, well, we'll see if you really do know how to keep the Sabbath, folks. Uh, you know, don't don't assume stuff. And uh, we we should always go back and review on how we're doing. But I'm going to try to, in a very clear way, explain how to keep the Shabbat. And some people say, well, you, you probably just wet behind the ears can hurt of, you, you know, you're probably just learning. and, and all that. Well, look, folks, I'm, not, I'm just going to get very clear with you. I've been keeping the Shabbat. I don't, some of you, most of you that listen to this program probably kept the Shabbat more, longer than you. I've been keeping the Shabbat since 1985, folks. 31 years I've been keeping the Shabbat. I started keeping Shabbat or the Sabbath by being a part of the Worldwide Church of God. We kept Shabbat and we kept the Holy Days. And so, in effect, I've been a part of this Hebrew Roots movement for over three decades. And so, I, matter of fact, uh, my great trial and affliction began because of the Shabbat. Uh, You know, out of respect to uh, this individual, I'm not going to give his name, but basically I was living... Um, in an area or in, 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 in this individual's home, and because of the Shabbat, the person didn't like me celebrating Shabbat, so I was, uh, the individual told me to to uh, pack my stuff, what stuff I did have, and to uh, to leave, to leave the house. And I didn't have anything at the time. I was trying to, to um, get my degree in computer science, and my whole life was, um, it's, it really hurts me when I even think about this. It, it was just totally changed, all because of Shabbat, folks. All because I wanted to keep Shabbat. I didn't want to cut the grass. I didn't want to do all these other things that this individual wanted me to do on, on Shabbat. And this poor family from Gary, Indiana, um, one of the uh, fellow believers, that I fellowship with on Shabbat came and picked me up and I began my life of learning how to trust Yahovah, learning how to trust God even when things don't look like he's going to do anything. I had to learn that the hard way, folks. And this program may go over because I'm going to give you my experience on how to keep the Shabbat, my over three decades experience of keeping Shabbat. I believe that Yah has inspired me to give this program because I, I see people in this movement and this walk and some certainly do not know how to keep the Shabbat and they do things that I know from experience and from scriptures and from what I've studied um, that the Jews do correctly. That is in direct violation. Now, with any of his commandments, let's understand something. They are not heavy or burdensome, and they're not grievous. So you have to even apply that on Shabbat. I know one of the things that Yeshua was accused of, and this is not the program for this, but um, let me quote a scripture. Matthew chapter 15, uh, verse 1. It says, "Then, Then came Yeshua to the Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples, the students, uh, or Talmudim, transgressed the tradition of the elders, for they <clears throat> washed their, not their hands when they eat bread, but answered and said, Why do you also transgress the commandment of Yah by your own tradition? 
For Yah commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. He that curseth father and mother, let him die to death. But you say, Whatsoever shall say to his father and mother, is a gift, by whatever might be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother. In other words, they don't, they don't take care of their parents, and that's one of the things that, that kids need to be taught. I know I'll be teaching that at Camp Mashiach, that kids should prepare themselves also not to take care of just a wife and a child of their own, but also their parents, their parents, because God commands you to do that. But anyway, thus have you made the command, you know, as your parents get older, thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. And it says right here in uh, verse 7, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draw near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain do they worship me, worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And one of the traditions that the Jews have taught is that the 39 prohibitions on Shabbat. You can't do this and you can't do that. And it's burdensome. A lot of those things, you know, like cooking. I agree that you shouldn't be cooking to the point of where you're sweating and working real hard like you would normally. But there are some situations that God uh, allows mercy. There's mercy in his law. But we should try to avoid, the scriptures certainly reveal, especially Exodus 16, verse 23, uh, that we should not normally be cooking on the Sabbath. Now, on the high holy days, Exodus 12, verse 16, um, it states, no work at all shall be done on, and then that says, on the high Shabbat of unleavened bread, except what must be eaten by every person that alone may be prepared for you. And that's in Exodus 12, verse 16. On um, The Jews have done this on high um, holy days. They would cook, but even then the cook would be minimal. But the cooking would be minimal. But anyway, I'm not going to get into all the specifics of keeping the Shabbat in detail. That's another program maybe in the future. But the purpose of this program is to to help you to understand that the Sabbath must be kept. There, there's simple, uh, clear ways that the Bible shows you how to keep the Shabbat. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Jewish tradition, how the Jews do it as well. I'm going to touch that a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with doing those traditions. But again, don't make those traditions a burden. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Yeshua went on the Shabbat day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the ears of the corn and to eat. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on Shabbat. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Were with him how he entered into the house of Yah and did eat showbread, which was not lawful uh, based on Torah for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the Torah how that on Shabbat day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? So priests are allowed to work, or people that do religious work, they're allowed to do religious work on Shabbat. And see, one of the things I'm going to explain to you that God is, is concerned about doing your normal work for profit on Shabbat. You you must cut that out. But any righteous work, uh, giving to the poor, uh, helping a lady across the street, uh, doing charitable work, that is certainly allowable on Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. Because he said you should do good on Sabbath. Now, I'll explain that a little bit more here um, as we go on. But anyway, Matthew 12, verse 7. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy 
and not sacrifice, you would have not uh, condemned the guiltless. And then also they, they condemn him for uh, healing on Shabbat, which is nothing wrong with healing someone on the Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with fasting on Shabbat, which he did for 40 days and 40 nights. you got some people that have been deceived by an article on the Internet um, that says, okay, well, since Yeshua fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, then that means that he didn't keep the, and they're assuming this because they're assuming this is because he was fasting that he wasn't around people. Well, that's just an assumption, folks. We don't we don't know. Uh, angels appeared to him, so we don't know whether or not uh, he was fellowshipping. Uh, we don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I've read the the, the uh, text, and uh, I don't know whether or not he was alone on Shabbat. But even if he was, Isaiah chapter 58 explains to you there's nothing wrong with fasting on Shabbat if it's done uh, to do good. And, and the Bible tells and commands you to do good on, on Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. And I think the Bible does a pretty good job of explaining what good is. Let's turn to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah 6, verse 8 says, He does has show, he has showed me, O oh man, what is good and what does the Master require thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy Yah. And so, folks, you can do justly on Shabbat. You can you can you can give to the poor as long as you are doing something that is no has does not have anything to do with making money. It is okay. So that's one of the things that you have to understand. Uh, doctors and, and nurses are allowed to work on Shabbat, but my advice of three decades over three decades of keeping Shabbat, if you are a doctor or a nurse, you should try to minimize as much work as possible. Really, the work you should be doing on Shabbat should be emergency work. Okay, But you should try to minimize that as much as possible. But, hey, people are sick all the time, and and if, if all the doctors and nurses stopped working, uh, then there would be a catastrophe in hospitals. So, sure, you know that that's something that has to be done around the clock 24-7. Uh, Yah understands that. He's merciful to people who have to do those type of things. But anyway, um, so let's go over this here. I just wanted to make some points about the Shabbat, but I have it written there, um, what I'm going to talk about mainly today. And observing Shabbat is one of the major signs. It is a sign that identifies an individual as one of his children and, and a part of Israel and a true believer. And I hope that doesn't offend people, but there are unbelievers and they are believers. And and people today they, they think, okay, well you just believe in Christ, you're a believer. No. Let's let's turn to John three. <laughs> oh, John three, come on. John three verse sixteen. I'm telling myself to come on, come on and preach this in a gentle way. Without offending people. Anyway. John 3, verse 15, let's start there. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, so this is a very powerful statement. I think people just read through this and they don't realize what he just said here. Do you realize, he's implying correctly, that if you don't believe him, that you will perish. And if you do believe him, you'll have eternal life. What does that word perish mean, folks? Does it mean being burnt forever and ever in hellfire? No. Does it say, that's how people read that scripture. Because they've been taught incorrectly that's what's going to happen to the people who don't believe in Yeshua. 
and I'm going to explain to you how do you believe him in a minute. But uh, this word perish means to destroy fully, to not even exist. And I, you know, I've been challenged by people thinking they think they don't know what I'm talking about, and I teach correctly based on the scriptures that. Uh, if if you are judged to perish, you won't ever exist again. And there's plenty of scriptures that prove that. This is one of them. But anyway, that's not a Bible study. Anyway, John 3, verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not be destroyed fully, but have eternal life. And so this is very serious. Uh, we need to find out what it means to be a real believer, folks. John 3, verse 16, for Yah so loved the world. I'm, I'm explaining this because this has something to do with the Shabbat. The Shabbat sets his people apart from the rest of the world. This is a very important commandment to keep. And I'm telling you right now, through my observations of over three decades, there are some people that are not keeping the Shabbat correctly, and they think they are, and they're not. So anyway, John 3, verse 16, for Yah, and I'm going to explain this too, and like I said, this program is going to go over, uh, certainly, and... Uh, listen to it to the archive. This is a very important program. And don't assume that you know what I'm talking about, folks. Don't. I'm warning you. Do not assume that. So anyway, now, if, if what I'm saying you know about, that's fine. Spread the word. Anyway, John 3, verse 16. For Yah so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Again, he said it a second time. Perish means in um, Cohen Greek. Hebrew, Greek, to destroy fully. That's what it means, folks. So this is some serious stuff that he's saying. Uh, even the, the complete word dictionary says to destroy. It calls to perish, to bring to naught, to not even exist. That's what it means. So he's saying this a second time in the context of belief. So I think we need to pay attention here. This is some serious stuff here. All right, verse 16. This is one of the most quoted scriptures in the history of religion, of the Christian religion. For Yah so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish or be destroyed fully, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For Yah sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved. The uh, Cohen Greek for this is preserved. Preserved. He doesn't want to destroy the earth or the universe. Verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned. So if you believe on him, you're not condemned. What's the word condemn? And um, Cohen Greek, it means uh, to be judged or punished. But he that believes, believeth not, is condemned already. So we better understand what it means to believe, folks. Let's continue on with this, all right? Because he, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Yah. So how, okay, people in the sacred name, all we got to say, you're sure. We say Jesus, uh, you're sinning. Well, well, let's understand what that means, too. We're going to understand what it means to believe and also what it means to believe in his name. Okay? Matter of fact, hold your place here. Let's turn to Psalm 105. I was speaking to someone the other day. I hope they listened to what I was saying and um, understand that it's not so much someone saying Jesus as someone not doing Jesus' 
will or his actions or deeds. Uh, Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Master. Call upon his name. Colon. Let's continue on. Make known his deeds among the people. And so when you call on his name, you should be doing the deeds that that name represents. That is the one thing that these sacred name people don't seem to understand. And I love them. And because I love them, I'm doing what the master tells us to do. Those that you love, you rebuke. Okay? And people don't understand that. Those old canards, so hard. And, you know, my, my colleague, Michael Ruth, you know, one of the things that I do love about him, he holds no bars, and, you know, he's a lot more stern than me, but I'm, I get stern too, okay? And and, and he, he tells it like it is. And you have to tell it like it is sometimes, folks. you got to, as a Torah, if you're a Torah teacher, you think you want, you've got to speak. And you can't, sometimes you cannot be concerned about feelings being hurt. Because if there's a situation where somebody's hurting themselves severely, then you're going to have to correct them severely, okay? Revelation 3, verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revelation 3, verse 9, The gospel should be being preached, and people that preach the gospel should be saying repent for the kingdom of God is near and should be saying repent 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 I don't hear that too often I do it every message that I give I try to give a message to compel you to repent to change we all need to change We're, none of us are going to make it in, in his kingdom if we don't repent we all got something wrong with us. We all got something that is in violation of, or, or something that we're thinking about or something that we're doing that's in, in direct rebellion toward Yah or God that we need to repent of if we want to be totally honest with ourselves. You know, the book, uh, the era of Laodicea that we're living in right now, of the assemblies, is full of rebellion and full of people that, oh, I know this, I know that, oh, can I again teach me this or this? Or Michael Rue can't teach me that, or some other Torah teacher can't teach me this, or whatever. And I know it all. Leave me alone, you know. And 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 and, and especially the, the the ones that are real youth, you know, young in this movement, they get a little knowledge, they get puffed up, and they think they know every doggone thing about the Bible. But what does First uh, Corinthians chapter eight say? It says, "Now it's touching the things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. That's what it does." It inflates you. It can make you proud. But charity edifies, or love, love, that's agape in, in, um, in uh, Cohen Greek, and it means uh, the highest form of love, benevolence, edifies. And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. All right, so we all need to humble ourselves and realize that knowledge should be used to love people, not to think to, to give people an impression that you know everything. And I've been accused, uh, or people would think, "Oh, why do you quote so many scriptures, Canard? Uh, you trying to trying to make it, trying to show us how much you know?" No, the reason why I quote the scriptures, folks, so much, is because I'm commanded to do so. First of all, somebody who is a true teacher of his word is going to quote his words, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. 
And I see this on Facebook. I see people quoting, and and it's just their words. And I so and I know that what they're trying to do is 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 um, and and, they, and some do effectively. Uh, they say certain things as based on the Bible, but sometimes uh, I've read some posts that I'm like, where is this in the Bible? <laughs> you know what what are they what are they saying? I mean, where, what, what scripture is uh, backing up what they're saying? See, so I'm always going to be looking in that, and, and anyone should be doing that when they're reading a post off of Facebook or reading an article or whatever, you know, so that those are things that we need to look at. I'm looking at Jeremiah chapter 23 here, uh, as he tells you how to uh, keep or how to preach, how to um, tell people his words, and uh, it's very distinct instructions here. Um, of course, this was for Jeremiah at the time, but here, let me show you here, Jeremiah chapter 23, or let me speak this uh, to you or read this to you. In Jeremiah 23, verse 28, says, the prophet that has a dream, let him uh, tell a dream. And he that has my word, so not only to a prophet, but he that has his words, we have his words, that the Bible is God's words, let him speak my word faithfully faithfully okay what is the chaff to the wheat says the lord is not my word like a fire says the lord and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces and so his his if you are truly preaching his words it's going to be like that it's going to be like a hammer breaking the rock in pieces it's not going to always be a nice little message oh i'm going to float in the air Everything is okay. I don't have to worry about a thing. No, it's 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 not going to be like that all the time, folks. It's not going to be like that all the time. And so we've got to 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 understand those things about His Word. All right. So anyway, let me go back. Let me go back to uh, John chapter three, verse eighteen. He that believe on Him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned or punished already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Yah. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. Okay. Stop the press. What is the condemnation? What is the punishment? What is the final ruling? What is the decision? That light is coming to the world. Who is that light? In John chapter 1, or Yochanan chapter 1, it tells you who that light is. The light is the Messiah. It's coming to the world. Let's go to John chapter 3 for those who think, oh, Canard doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, let's see. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yah, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with Yah. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. There's a lot of darkness in this world, folks, and people like me, that preach and support the light, they just don't get it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from Yah whose name is Yochanan. The name, the saying, came for a witness, to bear witness. And that's interesting. He came as a witness. Hmm, i got to do some more study on that. Wait, to bear witness of the Messiah. And so Yochanan, who was the second Elihu or Elijah, came as a witness which is interesting because we do have two, the two witnesses, right? To bear witness 
of the Messiah that all men through him might believe. So he is that light. He was not that light. The Eliahu, the second one, Yochanan was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, that was the true light, which light of every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Burn this in your brain. It says plainly that the world, his world, back then, and the world still today, does not know him. The majority do not know who the real Messiah is. This is in the context of believing him. Verse 11, he came into his own, his own people, the Jewish people, and even the Jewish orthodoxy today, most of them don't have a clue that he's the Messiah because they're brainwashed from youth to, to envision him as Yeshu, which is derogatory, instead of Yeshua. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's the majority. Of course, some did. But when God talks like that, in most cases he's saying the majority don't do this or don't do that. Okay, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And so if I preach his message, which is the entire Bible, do you think a lot of people are going to receive me? Of course not, but yet people don't understand this. They don't understand this. Even from people that claim they love me, I, they, they get into this numbers game thing, and they just don't understand that somebody that preached the truth is going to be rejected by most. Someone that preached the truth is going to be betrayed by even people that claim to be believers. Keep the Sabbath in holy days. You sure was? And I know that's, that's, that's happened to me already. And it will continue to happen. He prophesied that there will be great portrayal. I still have some good friends that I can rely on, but I don't have many. Just like you sure in the end did not have many. All of them walked away from him. Even John, the disciple that he loved or really um, felt close to. Matthew chapter 24. It says in verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, iniquity is Torahlessness, not obeying all the instructions and doctrines of Yah, the love of many shall wax cold. So wax cold. Okay, and that is, that's been going on for a while, and I've been in this movement for over three decades. I, I've experienced betrayal toward me, and I've seen other people betray other people, and it's continuing to happen, folks. Matthew 24, verse 10, and then shall many be offended, not not the few, many, and shall betray one another and hate, and not just betray and hate. I know some people just hate me in this movement, totally hate me. And I tell you one thing, if you hate me, and if I'm preaching correctly, then you're hating Messiah, folks, whether you realize it or not. And then, but why? Why do people hate people that preach the truth? Well, I think Messiah kind of, kind of, uh, he always does it. He speaks better than me. He, he says things better than anyone other than his father. In John chapter 7, verse 7, states plainly, The world cannot hate you, 
And he's talking to his brothers here in this context because his brothers didn't, weren't really with it because they didn't believe him. His own brothers, his own family, his brothers did not even believe him. John 7, verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Of the real light, the real Messiah, folks, that most people don't have a clue about at all. Yes, this program certainly will go longer than 45 minutes. <laughs> it's probably going to take another 30 minutes. And so um, I'm going to ask you to uh, review this program in the archives. I'm just being moved to talk about things that is certainly a part of this Bible study because this this is very important to understand the significance of keeping Shabbat. And so that's why I'm spending the time, why I can, to really explain to you how to do it in a simple way. <clears throat> in a simple way. So... I have three minutes and 21 seconds left before I go off the air. I will go off the air, but this program about how to observe the Shabbat by someone who's been keeping Shabbat for uh, over three decades uh, will be in the archives for you to listen to. All right? And so let me continue on here. He states that the whole world at that time hated him. And why? Verse 7, the world cannot hate you, but... Me it hated because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. That's why. When I preach, I tell the truth, folks. And I tell you, a lot of folks, including some people in this movement, do not like what I say or what the words of God say, folks. They want to keep the words of God when it's convenient for them. They don't want to take up their cross. You've got to take up your cross, folks. This is not easy. Uh, there will be tribulation, but he will make a way out so that you can bear it. Uh, he has promised that, folks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he states plainly, There have no temptation taken you but that which is common to man. But Yah is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or challenged above what you are able, but with the temptation also will make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay, so he's not going to give you something that you cannot deal with folks that's his promise and his commandments again let's, let's understand this they're not burdensome and for those who make the commandments but that's what yeshua was he came down to straighten out with the jews at that time and they still today unfortunately that they were making the commandments heavy or, or, or grievous in first john five verse three it says this is the love of yah that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous or heavy or very difficult to keep. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, it states plainly, right here, not in the King James Version, uh, did not um, translate this uh, correctly here, um, but the Hebrew of this is very illuminating and interesting in the JPS Version. Uh, the Jewish Publication Society Bible versions for this commandment which I command thee this day is not too hard for thee, neither is it far off. So it's not too hard. Now, if people are teaching you how to keep the Sabbath and it just seems to be such a burden, it's not a joy like it's supposed to be, then they're not teaching you correctly on how to keep the Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so that that's that's a rule that you need to follow. All right, so let's go back to um so i i i i'm hope i'm i'm getting i'm hoping that you're starting to see something here all right so let's go back to john john and i'm going to go off the air here in another 20 seconds i really implore you to and this is for every program but especially this one uh, how to keep the shabbat so it's it's so important 
for you to understand that keeping the Shabbat identifies you as a true believer, folks. All right, and some people may get upset about that, but I have scriptures to back it up. Shalom, peace. All right, I'm still in the I'm in the archive section of the program here, portion of the program. All right, and we're, we're talking about how do you observe a very important Shabbat day, a day that identifies you as His people, as a part of being a part of Israel. Okay, so let's continue on here, and we're going. Because this has something to do with being a believer. Because if, if you if that's a sign that you are of His people, then you are a true believer. And we need to understand what the Bible means in terms of being a believer. Because uh, some people certainly are confused by that. They don't understand what a true believer is. I know this. I, I've experienced this. I, I've walked it, and I continue to walk it, and I, I observe it. All right. So let's go to John three verse. 16, okay, and then verse 17, 18, all right, he that believe on him is not condemned, but he that believe not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So we understand believing in his name, uh, calling on calling on his name means that you do his deeds, because in John 14, verse 6, what does it say? I am the halakha, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the methodology. He is the way that you do things. He is the ultimate Man, he is the superman, the one that we should follow. He is the ultimate example. He is the last Adam or Adam. John 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And I just read that to you in John chapter 14. And men love darkness, and there's a lot of darkness, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Oh, wait a minute. What does Christianity teach? That the law is done away with. That there's no deeds at all. You just can sin and sin all you want. And then the Messiah's blood squirts on that sin, wipes it away, and continue to sin over and over and over and over and over again. And you don't have to worry about striving to overcome. Because, hey, once you're his, you're always his, right? Well, the Bible doesn't teach that, folks. <laughs> it doesn't teach that. you got to do something. And one of the basic doctrines of Yah teaches that faith must have works. Okay, uh, that's why it's, you have to understand what the basic doctrines are. It's revealed in Hebrews chapter six, verse one and two. I'll do a Bible study on that again in the future. But anyway, John three verse eighteen: He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Yah. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. Their acts, as the acts of the disciples, or, or the apostles, which we need to emulate and follow. Verse John 3, verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. And so if you do evil, what is evil? Evil is violation of of um, not keeping the commandments. Now, I notice a lot of people don't even have a clue about the Sabbath. God's not going to hold that against you. If, if you don't, if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin, okay? But if you don't if you don't know, then it's not sin. And I know some of you may be listening to this program for the first time. You don't have a clue about the Sabbath, okay? So he's not going to hold that against you. But for those who don't do know and are tramping their foot on the Sabbath, then is a sin to you if you don't keep the Sabbath properly. John 3, verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, 
neither cometh to the light, that not his deeds should be reproved. And that word means admonished, convicted. But he that doeth truth, oh, you got to do truth. Do truth. What is truth, for, folks? Psalm 119, 142. Truth is all the Torah of the commandments of Yah, including keeping the Shabbat and holy days. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we should have mercy on people who have not been taught the truth, who have no clue about the truth. He won't hold that against them. But the fact is, is that whether somebody knows or not, if you're not keeping all the commandments to the best of your ability to God, you are not a believer. And one of the signs of that you are a part of him is keeping Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. He that doeth truth comes to the Messiah, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in Yah. And the Bible tells us, uh, and people struggle with this. I've been in this movement, and, I, and some people, they, they struggle with this plain, simple commandment here in the epistles of Paul, the Corinthians. It says right here in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion have light with darkness? I just got you talking about light in the darkness, right? And what concord has Messiah with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now, see, this is, you know, I know I'm going to get persecuted talking about this, all right? But I don't care. God is associating his people as the temple, okay? And he says that the temple of God, his people should be associated with idols. Who are the idols? The unbelievers. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their Yah, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. That's what it means spiritually to come out of Babylon. Of course, I talked about what it means physically as well. And be ye separate. Now, if you're not keeping Shabbat like you should, you're not separating yourself from the world and, and from unbelievers like you should. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the, the master, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you will be a father, uh, and, and you will be a father unto and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. And so, folks, being a believer, complete believer, I should say, is, is keeping Shabbat and holy days. We should love everyone, but when we run across someone who's an unbeliever, and they don't. They want to keep Sunday, which is pagan in nature, and it's not the Shabbat. Uh, they're living a lie, and God commands us not to live a lie. Now, of course, those who don't know, that's different. And the Bible states plainly in James. Let's go there. In James, chapter three, chapter four, rather. Verse seventeen. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So uh, if they don't have a clue about Shabbat, that's different. But if they do and if they understand it, then that's, that's you know, that's, that's something that um, that <laughs> they're in trouble. Let's put it that way. All right. They're in trouble if they, they don't um, want to keep Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So let's get back because I have limited time here. So, observing Shabbat is one of the major signs that identify an individual as one of the children of Yah and of Israel, ladies and gentlemen. All right? 
And so people who are not part of the 12 tribes of Israel, if you don't understand or have a clue about what I said there, please go to Britam, B-R-I-T-A-M dot org, to be enlightened and amazed. Because part people who are not a part of the 12 tribes of Israel become part of Israel by accepting the king of Israel. The king of Israel is the Messiah. That's proved by looking at John and reading and studying John 1, verse 49. As their master and savior, someone is, if someone is your master, then you will obey him. Now, to understand that even those who are not a part of the 12 tribes of Israel are can be a part of Israel by being a true believer uh, and keeping the laws of Israel, then go to Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 12. The Messiah is the king of Israel, and any king has laws or instructions for his subjects to follow. This is found in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 to 20. The children of Israel follow the Messiah and obey the commandments just like he did when he was not on the earth. A scriptural references to this is First John. I have it written um, that uh, I have the words written that advertise the uh, content of the program today. First John two verse three to six, John fourteen verse six, Luke four verse sixteen, and John fifteen verse ten. Read those scriptures. It shows you that the Master kept Shabbat, and He expects us to keep Shabbat too, because He's the way. He's the method. We follow His example. The Bible gives us an idea on how to observe the Shabbat. Now, I'm going to go over this slowly here. Now, first of all, I want to say that the Bible reveals in, in the book of Genesis that a day begins in the evening. So from sunset to sunset, that's how you keep um, the holy days, ladies and gentlemen. From from sunset to sunset, the holy days, and, of course, Shabbat, as revealed in Leviticus chapter 23, is a festival day and a holy day as well. Um so that's something that you need to understand and uh, adhere to. So that's how uh, we keep Shabbat. So in Leviticus 23, verse 32 is an example. Leviticus 23, verse 32 says, And when you yeep the harvest of your field, oh, 32 rather, it shall be a Shabbat of rest, and you shall afflict your souls. Now, even the Moedim are, are also types of Shabbats. And it says, uh, in the ninth day of the month at evening, from even unto evening, you shall celebrate your Shabbat. So that's how we celebrate Shabbat scripturally. We do it from evening to evening. And some people will have ridiculous teachings saying that's not true, that uh, the Sabbath is, uh, the day starts during the, mid, uh, during the midday or whatever. And that's a bunch of false doctrine. Folks don't ever listen to that. It's false doctrine. And then you have some people teaching or have taught that uh, Shabbat is on a Thursday or whatever and it's based on the Enoch calendar. And all. I, I don't want to get into all that. I mean, the Jews have been keeping Shabbat correctly for years, okay, as far as observing it um, when it's supposed to be observed. Now, they have, as Yeshua has revealed in the first century, they have overdone it, keeping Shabbat. But nonetheless, they they basically know how to keep Shabbat, okay. So the Jews certainly know how to keep it. It has kept them together, and for people who are wet behind the years just learning about Shabbat and say, oh, I don't have to fellowship on Shabbat, I don't have to do this, they don't know what they're talking about, do not listen to that false doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. That false doctrine, particularly, of not understanding that you should fellowship on Shabbat, that is certainly one of the things that is causing um, disunity in this movement, one of the things, all right? And so anyway, Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14, uh, the Bible gives us an idea on how to observe Shabbat. It says, if thou turn... Away thy foot from Shabbat, from doing thy own pleasure. So we're not supposed to do our own pleasure, folks. 
that means that you don't look at sports because that's pleasurable. That's entertainment, right? You don't go to people's games and cheer them on and uh, support them on Shabbat uh, despite what your situation is. Uh, I understand that there's situations where perhaps you can't see your kids or your kids aren't with it, you know, religiously and you want to spend time with them. But the Bible says this, folks, and uh, I hope the person or people that I know that have this issue is listening to this program because I'm just going to give you what um, the Messiah says about this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and if you have a problem with this, you need to go and argue with him about it. I, I didn't make the rules, okay? And Matthew 10, verse 37, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. What is love? Love is keeping the commandments, right? And he that loveth son or daughter, or actually in this case, is talking about uh, having uh, yeah, Philo is talking about having a, a more devotion, an attachment to something. That's what it means in, 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 in um, the uh, Cohen Greek here or Hebrew Greek. So to, to have an attachment of, of more than you have to be attached to God more so than anything, even your children. And he that love of son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In verse. 38 of Matthew chapter 10, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Okay, so in in a situation like that, I've heard this, and I'm not giving a name. I love this individual or any other individuals that do this. But you can't even use an excuse that, hey, I don't see my kids uh, often and on on Shabbat they're playing a game. I'm going to go to their game and support them and cheer them on. That is in direct violation of Shabbat. I know it. I've lived it. I know that it is. And even Jews, I, I sent an article about this one girl on Chabad.org uh, that wrote about the fact that she gave up. She gave up a chance to, to be in the Olympics because of Shabbat. What an example. 14 years old. And that is certainly in line with avoiding your pleasure on Shabbat. And those that violate that, they are sinning and they need to repent of that. And this is serious because if you don't keep the Shabbat, which is a sign you're a believer, that you are a part of him, you have to really question, are you really are? Are you really a part of God? Are you really with the program, ladies and gentlemen? He's called you to understand the Shabbat, and you still violate it because of your kids? You can't put anything ahead of God, including your kids, ladies and gentlemen. So that that's, that's I know that. And here's the thing that God challenges each and every one. This is in the context of keeping Shabbat. Because I know keeping Shabbat can be challenging. I've done it. I've done it for over three decades, folks. So listen up. Listen up. Most people can't say that. They listen to me. All right? All right, so it says right here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and I know there's there's some people that I know that they just don't understand the importance of Shabbat and then they need a job and need all this and they violate bus Shabbat and they do things they have no business doing on Shabbat and yet they're teaching. You know, and you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't call yourself a Torah teacher and you, and you trample upon the Shabbat. And you can't expect things to get well for you. Uh, they may, you know, half the time may make things easy for you and you may make a lot of money, but in the end, Folks, it's not doing it Yah's way. 
And I, you know, I don't know about you, but I'd rather do things. I'd, I'd rather make a lot of money doing things Yah's way. Matthew six verse twenty five. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor your yet for your body, what you should. These are things I've experienced over the years with people. All the excuses about, oh well, uh, my family needs to eat, so I'm going to work on Shabbat. Well, you know, you're talking to somebody here, or you're listening to somebody here that. Now, the only time I worked on Shabbat was when I was deceived back in the Worldwide Church of God days when they were teaching that it was okay uh, to, uh, they were teaching that it was okay to um, violate Shabbat. You know, I was just listening to him, and I went and, and worked, I think, for, for a few months, uh, several months, um, for Bank One at the time. They're Chase now, J.P. Chase, but I worked for Bank One. And and I, I realized, and I, I wasn't being blessed. You know, I felt uncomfortable about it, and I worked in another company, and eventually I stopped doing it. I realized it was wrong. That's the only time within the 30 years, over 30 years, that I did work on Shabbat. But once I, I proved Scripture that that's something I should not do, I stopped doing it. And that was you know, that was back in the 1990s, I think. But anyway, um, early 1990s, or the early um, 2000, like 2001, two, I think. But anyway, Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat or food, and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and clothed tomorrow, is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do people in the world or unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, 172 is keeping all the commandments, including Shabbat and holy days. And all these things shall be added unto you. So he promises to add all these things to you. He doesn't tell you when, but he, he says all these things. If you keep Shabbat, keep holy, don't worry about a job. He's going to bless you with a job. I know. I've been doing it for over three decades, and he's done that. When I have kept the Shabbat and didn't worry about when I'm going to have a job, I got a job quickly, and I got a good paying job. Okay, and all my needs were taken care of. Verse thirty-four: Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Again, I told you I was removed from a comfortable situation, had to live in Gary, Indiana, and here I am today. I'm married to a beautiful woman. Uh, God has uh, blessed me to raise a fine son. I live in a decent neighborhood and a decent house, and all my needs are taken care of. I'm not rich. But, you know, I'm not in poverty either. And and I, I have food, shelter, and clothes. And those things that Shaul said, we should be content if we have food and clothes. And I am content. And so I'm just telling you, I'm a living example of keeping Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. I, I really am. And so in Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14, If thou turn away thy foot from Shabbat from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. So doing the ple- your pleasure can involve recreation. Entertainment that's not focused on Yah. Okay? And you can't say, oh, we're doing a Bible study while you're looking at a basketball game. I mean, that's not really focusing on Yah either. The environment is not of Yah. And, and call the Shabbat a delight. The holy 
the, the holy of the master, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thy own ways, looking at a basketball game or looking at Ohio State. I remember one time we were fellowshipping with somebody. They were so uh, anxious to get us out of their house so they can go and sin and look at go to the Ohio State football game on Shabbat. That's a sin. Your focus is on you and entertainment. It has nothing to, uh, looking at an Ohio State football game has nothing to do with honoring God. Again, he says, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. That means that you shouldn't be talking about the normal rigors of your life for hours. Now, there's nothing wrong with mentioning, hey, pray for me. I've had this situation on my job, and I want you to pray for me. And that's it. But if you're going to go on, continue on talking about it, harboring about it all day, then you're in violation of Shabbat. The whole day should be focused on him. On The, the Shabbat represents the millennium. Hebrews chapter 4 reveals that to you. The 1,000-year rule of Messiah. On the earth, it's like a rest. Okay, it pictures the millennial kingdom of peace, and we are, and our minds should be focused on that. Then shall that and, and the things that will bring peace, like feeding the poor. Peace means you have all your needs taken care of. You're not lacking the necessities. Peace also means that. Then shall thou delight thyself in the master, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Yaakov. So those who are struggling with, oh, I got to work on the Sabbath because I got to feed my family. Well, if you don't work on Shabbat like you're commanded not to, then he's going to, to bless you. And I know that. I'm a living example. Again, I've been doing this for over three decades. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the master, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high place of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Yaakov thy father, for the mouth of the master has spoken in Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The appointed times of Yah, which... You are to proclaim as set-apart gathering. It's a set-apart gathering. It sets you apart. It's what identifies you as being different from the world. My appointed times are these. Six days' work is done. But the seventh day is Shabbat of rest. A set-apart gathering. You've got people saying it's not a gathering. It is a gathering. It's an assembly. You do not work. It is a Shabbat to Yah in all your dwellings. Leviticus 23, verse 2 to 3. And you should... Not buy or sell on Shabbat either. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 31. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15 to 21. And you should do good on Shabbat. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 to 12, including feeding the poor. Again, the things that will contribute toward peace. Certainly having peace has a lot to do with having your needs taken care of. You're not going to be at peace with yourself if you're starving. So on Shabbat, you should seek to help the poor if you can. You should try to help the afflicted. You should try to uh, help people heal by giving them herbs and essential oils on Shabbat. And you should pray for people to be healed on Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with that, ladies and gentlemen. It is a feast day, despite what people are teaching. Uh, it is a feast day. And Leviticus chapter 23 tells you that. Leviticus chapter 23. And the master spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying to them, Concerning the feast, the modim of the master, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations or set apart as um, convocation means you're called out. It's a public meeting, all right? Even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the Shabbat day or the seventh day, you look in the dictionary, Saturday is the seventh day. It's not Sunday. It's a Shabbat of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work there. It is the Shabbat of the master in all your dwellings. These are the feasts. Of the master, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their season. Okay, so the Shabbat is a is a feast day. 
It is also a commanded assembly. It's a day of joy. It's a day of joy. Now, let me give you an example of how the Jews celebrate Shabbat. This is an example. I'm going to read what I understand is scriptural. This is a typical Shabbat. At about, and this is from uh, Judaism 101. At about 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, observant Jews leave the office to begin Shabbat preparations. So around 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock is the time of preparation. This is based on Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, but Exodus chapter 16, when the people prepared to keep Shabbat. The mood is much like preparing for the arrival of a special beloved guest. The house is clean. The family bathes and dresses up. The best dishes and tableware are set. A festive meal is prepared. In addition, everyone that cannot, any, everything that cannot be done during Shabbat must be set up in advance. Lights and appliances must be set, or time is placed on them if the household does so. The light bulb and the refrigerator must be removed, unscrewed. So you know they they talk about having a light. I don't want to get into arguments about that, but uh, do what you should try to minimize as much work as possible on Shabbat. Shabbat, like all Jewish days, begins at sunset because in the story of creation. Genesis chapter 1, you will notice that it says, And there was evening, and there was morning one day. From this, we infer that the day begins with evening, that is, sunset. For the precise time when Shabbat begins and ends in your area, consult the list of candle lighting times provided by Orthodox Union or Chabad, or any uh, Jewish calendar. It says, Shabbat candles are lit, and a blessing is recited no later than 18 minutes before sunset. The ritual performed by a woman of the house officially marks the beginning of Shabbat. Two candles are lit, representing the two commandments, Zakor, remember, and Shamor, observe, discuss above. The family then attends a brief evening service, 45 minutes. And so this is what Jews traditionally do. They have a short service. I know many people in the movie, they just have a, a, a service on Friday night, and then they rest all day, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. After services, a family comes home for a festive, leisurely dinner before dinner, the man of the house recites Kiddush, or Kiddush, a prayer over wine sanctifying Shabbat. Kiddush is based on um, Genesis. Let me turn to Genesis here. Genesis chapter 14. And Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, king of Salah. Oh boy, I'm having a little stiffles today, sorry. Brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High Yah. And so this this scripture alludes to the Kiddush, and the Kiddush represents um, um, the people coming out of Egypt, but it also represents symbolically the body and 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 the blood of Messiah. And that's not a Bible study, but most Jews don't understand that unless they're Jews that believe that the Messiah is Yeshua. But anyway. All right, so a prayer over wine, sanctifying Shabbat. The usual prayer for eating bread is recited over two loaves of challah. Uh, that's a special type of bread that's prepared, a sweet, eggy bread shaped in the braid, and it is so good. <laughs> the family then eats dinner, although there are no specific requirements or customs regarding what to eat. Meals are generally stewed or slow-cooked items because of the prohibition against cooking on Shabbat. And I agree, you shouldn't be cooking uh, strenuously on Shabbat, but there's nothing wrong with heating things up. So you should try to avoid normal work that you do um, during the week on Shabbat. All right. It says things that are mostly cooked before Shabbat and then reheated or kept warm are okay. Uh, 
after dinner. So we should try to. I know this situation, emergency situations that you may have to to cook or. Uh, this is the mercy in, in this law. It's always remember that. Or there may be situations where you may have to cook, emergency situations. But if it's not any of those, then you should try to minimize the cooking. By the time all this is completed, it, it, it may be about 9 p.m. or later. This is on Friday night. The family has an hour or two of talk or study and then go to sleep. Now, the next morning, Shabbat services begin. Now, some people choose to rest. That's fine. I don't see any scriptural prohibition on just fellowshipping on Friday night and then resting the whole uh, day. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just telling you what Jews do. The next morning, Shabbat services begin around 9 a.m. and continue until about noon, so about three hours. Uh, they begin early in the morning. After services, the family says Kiddush again and has another leisurely festive meal. There's a lot of eating done on this day. There's a lot of festive activity done on this day. A typical afternoon meal uh, is, is very um, slowly cooked stew. This is what they traditionally do. Um, on this website, there's a recipe if you want to do that. But a time brikat hamazan, and that is uh, the um, in Hebrew that means grace after meals. Uh, it's about 2 p.m. The family studies Torah for a while, talks, takes an afternoon walk. Um, they say play checkers, but uh, less those checkers has something to do with remembering scriptures or uh, the scriptures are recited after each move, or you have to incorporate. Uh, some biblical principles in it, then I wouldn't play checkers, but uh, you know I would play any game that certainly has something to do with learning the Bible. There's nothing wrong with that because everything should be pointed toward Yah on this day or engages in some leisure activities, and I would put the uh, ad that the leisure activities should have something to do uh, with um, understanding what Isaiah says on how you should keep the Sabbath. A short afternoon nap is not uncommon. It's traditional to have a third meal before Shabbat is over. This is usually a light meal in the late afternoon. Shabbat ends at nightfall, when, and it says here when three stars are visible approximately 40 minutes after sunset. I, I don't see that in the Bible. That's their tradition there. But at the conclusion of Shabbat, the family performs a concluding ritual called Adala. It's called separation division. And uh, he, he includes instructions here on the website. You can go to Judaism101.com and click uh, on under deeds, Shabbat, uh, well, not under deeds, but uh, well, it should be under deeds here. Where is it? Uh, times, yeah. You click under times and then Shabbat, and it gives you, and you can glean for this, and you can do what you feel comfortable with and so forth as far as Shabbat and, and, and how you understand the Bible and how you should keep Shabbat. I'm not going to listen. Uh, have, this program is not about listening to do's and don'ts about how to keep the Shabbat. It's just to explain to you in a simple way how to keep Shabbat. That's what this program is about. And, yeah, you should incorporate... There's nothing wrong with incorporating any tradition of the Jews, that commandment. So I encourage that. And, and you should do Hadalah. And uh, Hadalah, there's simple instruction on how to do Hadalah. Um, Hadalah service marks the end of Shabbat. It should be performed no earlier than nightfall on Saturday night. Nightfall is a time when three stars can be seen in the sky. It is normally, and this is what they do, but you can do it after the sun sets or um, uh like you said, no earlier than right right before the sun sets. It is normally about 45 minutes to an hour after sundown, depending on your latitude. You will need three things for this ritual, a glass of wine or other liquid, some fragrant spices, and a special Hadala candle. Pre-Hagafen, wine. The first of the four Hadala blessings is made over wine or another liquid. If wine or grape juice is not used, you should substitute um, by who will all things come to be for Puri Hagafen, who creates the fruit of the vine. And so it is said in Hebrew, 
Barakata Adonai Elonehu Melech Alam. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, Sovereign of the Universe. Um, Bori, Bori Pri Hagafen, who creates the fruit of the vine. And and Shekahol Mayah Bid Vira, who made all things exist through his word. Okay, so that that's recited first. And here, the second blessing is recited over fragrant spices. The spices represent a compensation for the loss of the special Shabbat spirit. The spices commonly use a clove, cinnamon, or bay leaves. They are commonly kept in a special decorated holder called uh, a bishaman box. And so in Hebrew, Barakata Adonai Elonehu Melech Alam, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, servant of the universe, Bore Mini Vashamin, who creates varieties of spices. And then the third blessing is recited over the special multi wicked Havdalah um, candle. Now, the, the candle is not wicked, it's wicked in terms of a candle. Havdalah candles can be obtained from Jewish gift stores. If you cannot obtain a Havdalah candle, you can hold two candles close together so their flames overlap. I have also used party candles. Lighting a flame is a vivid way of marking the distinction between Shabbat and the weekday because we cannot kindle a flame on the Sabbath. Yes, it does say that. And, that's not a Bible study. But anyway, after the blessing, you decide to hold your hands up to the flame with curved fingers so you can see the shadow of your fingers on your palms. This is done because it would be improper to recite a blessing for something and then not use the thing. And then in Hebrew, Barakata Adonai Elonehu Melech Alam. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, sovereign in the universe. In Hebrew again, Bore Me'are Ha'esh, who creates the light of the fire. And then Hadala, separation. The final blessing is the Hadala blessing itself, the blessing over the separation of different things. The blessing is recited over the wine. After the blessing is complete, drink the wine. A few drops of wine are used to extinguish the flame from the candle. And I'm going to read this in Hebrew. Barakata Adonai Elonehu Melech Ha'alam Hamaf De Ben Kodesh Lakol Ben O Lehachek Ben Yisrael Mem Ben Yam Hash Veleshayet Yamah Hamash Barakata Adonai Hamaf De Ben Kodesh Lahaw. All right, so blessed are you, Lord, our God, servant of the universe, who separates between sacred and secular, between light and darkness, between Israel and the nations, between the seventh day and the six days of labor. Blessed are you, Master, who separates between sacred and secular. That is interesting that it ends on that to help you understand that the Jewish people and people who attach themselves to the Jewish people, to Israel, are the true believers of Yah. And so... I hope this program today explains to you in a very clear way how to keep Shabbat. You should get away from your pleasure, entertainment on Shabbat. Certainly no athletic activities at all uh, should be done on Shabbat unless there's a creative activity that has something to do with keeping the commandments. Uh, but it should not, uh, it should all point to Yah. I would avoid athletic activity, my personal convictions about that. Uh, entertainment activity on Shabbat. Uh, it's pretty plain what Isaiah says here. If you turn away thy foot from Shabbat from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Shabbat a delight, the holy of the Master, honorable and shall honor him, not doing thy own ways nor finding thy own pleasure nor speaking thy own words, then shall thou delight thyself in the Master and will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. It's pretty plain, folks. So you don't do entertainment, uh, entertainment that's not based on the Bible, um, uh, entertainment that takes you away from the Bible, that takes you away from observing the Shabbat. Uh, 
you, you don't work. You don't do any profitable work, but you can work. If you're a minister, you have to do ministry work on Shabbat. Um, <clears throat> you, you don't. Um, you also do not uh, look at television programs. Uh, you don't look at movies unless those movies, of course, point to the Bible and it has something to do with the Bible. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, everything is focused on the, on on, the, on his future kingdom of peace. And so anything that will help bring peace, like feeding the poor, healing people, taking people out of their afflictions, that certainly is allowable on Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we do not buy or sell on Shabbat uh, normally. Um, of course, if there's an emergency situation, uh, you're driving in, in the car. Oh, that's another thing. If there is no other people for you to fellowship and they're an hour away, and if you have a car, it's nothing wrong with getting in that car and driving. Again, we have to look at his mercy. What's more important, keeping that commandment where you don't go um, uh, walk in the distance uh, or, or, or go to a far distance to keep to fellowship with people or to fellowship with people. We have to look at that and, and apply the mercy because in Hebrews 10, verse 25, it said we should not forsake the assembly of one another. Now, there's situations where someone is in another country and they can't fellowship. And so what you should try to do, and I know some people that do this, they, they Skype and a fellowship over Skype. So you should try to do the best you can to fellowship some way, somehow. But the, the preference, of course, is to fellowship face-to-face. And there is a scripture that uh, God has revealed a better understanding of, uh, and it's right up in here. Um, and God agrees with me that the best type of communication and fellowship is face-to-face. And in, in 2 John 1, verse 12, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face-to-face that our joy may be full. And that alludes, of course, to the Day of Atonement as well, face-to-face, because one day we will see him face-to-face. Uh, we will be at one, or we will be at one with him, and we will be keeping his, his, his commandments and, and laws and so forth. So atonement is, is when we get close to him, we, we are able to draw near to him face-to-face. So, um, in verse 13, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. And so, it's important to understand that 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 is the, on Shabbat, we certainly should be doing that. And then Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, says in verse 24, "And, and let us consider one another to provoke, Love and to do good work. How can we do good works if we avoid each other? We can't do that. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is exhorting, and as much the more as you see the day approaching. How can we exhort each other if we avoid each other? And that and, that, and that, that's causing division in this movement, ladies and gentlemen. I have to just say it plainly. And I wrote this, um, I guess you can call it a letter or epistle or <laughs> uh, article, that I wrote about how to keep the Sabbath. And one of the things that I did, um, or God inspired me to do, is look up uh, what the rabbis have said about how to keep Sabbath. And in a lot of cases, they are correct in what they're saying here. Um, And I looked this on Habat. Here's a question. Is not the word them... Oh, wait a minute. That's not... um, Okay, here we go. Is not the word them... Um, they had a, someone had a problem with the word them. The festivals of Yah, which you shall proclaim them to be holy convocations. Superfluous. Uh, someone asked, is it superfluous? And then 
Answer, according to Maimonides, which is one of the greatest uh, rabbis who ever lived, on holidays we are obligated to rejoice. But Yah is not content with one who celebrates privately with his family. We must invite the needy to our festive meals and make sure that they too rejoice. On Shabbat they do this. The word them in this verse refers to the underprivileged who need to be invited. God told Moshe to tell the people of Israel, I consider it my festival when you will call them, the needy, to participate in your festive meal and rejoice together with you. This is on Habad.org. And so this only confirms what Yeshua states uh, in Matthew 12, verse 10 to 11. And see, there was a man having a withered hand, and they answered, saying, Is it right to heal on Shabbat? So as to accuse him, and he said to them, What man is there among you, you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on Shabbat, shall not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more worth is a man than a sheep? So it is right to do good on Shabbat, Matthew chapter 12, 10 to 11. So let us not grow weary of doing what is good, for if we don't give up, we will in due time reap the harvest. Therefore, as the opportunity arises, let us do what is good to everyone, and especially to the family of those who are trusting faithfully, which is those who are keeping Shabbat and holy days. Each one should look not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others, Philippians 2, verse 4. And so those are things that we need to remember. Now, are there times when we cannot properly keep Shabbat? Yes, this is based on my experience and and based on the Jews, their their knowledge of it, and based on my own experience of over 30 years of of doing this. A sickness, of course, if you're sick, you can't fellowship. Emergency and life-threatening situations, comforting someone through medication who's going through tremendous pain. Emergency surgery, treatment for prevention of possible infections, treatment of broken bones, lacerations, dismemberments, child delivery, taking care of the elderly and disabled that can't feed, clothe, or clean themselves, administering a medicine for emergencies and life-threatening situations. Okay, so obviously, and there's other things where there's emergency purposes that you can't keep the Shabbat. Someone just called me the other day, hey, my baby's sick and, and my wife's sick and uh, had to stay home and take care of them. There's nothing wrong. If you have to do that, then you have to do it. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, if, if that's the reason why you can't attend Shabbat services, and so you know, I really hope that this program has explained in in, in a way, uh, in a clear way, that you certainly must uh, keep Shabbat, and you should not, as Hillel said, do not separate yourself from the community. That's in Avat two verse four. Perky Avat. Um, that is a, a excellent uh, a writing about how to live, how to live applying the Torah that the Jews wrote, the ethics of our fathers, Perki Avat. And as in Avat two verse four, Hillel said, "Do not separate yourself from the community." And we should, and that's going around, unfortunately, in the Hebrew roots movement and some assemblies or some people they just separate themselves from them. Now sometimes you have to because an assembly is preaching false doctrine. So you have to do that. The, God, the Bible commands that we do that. Uh, let me show this to you. And some people just don't understand this, but uh, God commands us not to even eat with someone who does not bring the doctrine of Messiah. And in Second John chapter 1, verse 9, and some people may accuse me of not fellowshipping. Hey, you're trying to preach unity, but unity where everyone's on the same page, folks. I'm talking about the major things, not the minor things, but the major. Like keeping Shabbat, if someone's getting up and saying, hey, you know, I I, I go to to my children's uh, games on Shabbat, 
I, I can't bring somebody who God gives to me the shepherd to listen to that. I can't. I cannot. That's, 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 I, I cannot do that. You sure wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it either. Um, it says right here in Second John one verse nine: Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of the Messiah, a certain part, certain, and certainly part of the teachings of the Word of God, because the Messiah is the Word of God. He is God too. Has not God? He that abideth not in the doctrine of Messiah, which includes keeping Shabbat and holy days, he hath both the Father and the Son. And in verse 10 it says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. So there is separation, of course, if someone does not keep Shabbat and does not keep the holy days. You have to separate yourself. A Shabbat is a is a is a, a festive day that is a separation. All the Jews and all those who keep the Shabbat like the Jews, they separate themselves from society. They they fellowship with each other. It's a set apart gathering. It's a a, a holy uh, gathering. Okay, that's that's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen, because we are not of the world. We're commanded not to be of the world. That's one way that we come out of Babylon. Okay, ultimately, in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, as I explained last week, it's talking about coming out a physical Babylon. Coming out of physical Babylon. And then in Matthew 10, verse 34, it says, Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. Now, the first time he did not come to send peace on the earth, but the second time he comes, he will. I came not to send peace, but a sword. That sword is Hebrews 4, verse 12. It's the word of God, the scriptures. For I am come not to send a... So I have come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be of his own household, his own family. And that can mean spiritual family, too. Verse, and and uh, that's why he came, folks. Now, the Elihu is going to come and get people back on track. Okay? And, and that that is happening. That is happening. And it's Genesis right now. And then... Elihu's going to come, and what is he going to do? What does Malachi chapter 4 say? In verse 4, Remember the law of Moshe, my servant, which this is in the context of hellfire, by the way, which I commanded unto him in horror for all of Israel's statutes and judgments. Behold, I was sending Elihu, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the master. And he shall turn, turn the heart of the children, or the fathers, to the children, or the sons, and the heart of the sons to their fathers. That night I come and smite the earth with a curse. So we know that he doesn't want to smite the earth with a curse. And so this word means bane in Hebrew. It means a son. So the fathers and sons are the leaders of society. And Eliahu, whoever he is, is going to come and straighten this out, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to come and straighten, uh, pull out and teach them correctly. Um, all the Jews know and understand that Elijah first must come before the second coming of Messiah, ladies and gentlemen. He has to come first. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you understand the Sabbath. I hope you understand how to keep it. Get your your entertainment and personal desires and all that out of it. Uh, Keep it right, yes. Incorporate righteous Jewish tradition. Do do the Hadalah, do the Kiddush. Uh, There's nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, I'm sure that Yeshua did those things as he was a Jew, and we are commanded to follow his example. So we should do those things. Um, And let me just say this, too, based on my over 30 years of experience keeping the Shabbat. 
You should not rest so much that you don't fellowship, and you shouldn't fellowship so much that you don't uh, rest. Okay, so there should be a balance. You should rest sufficiently, and you should fellowship sufficiently. And when you fellowship, folks, it's not about just talking all day. You should you should um, fellowship as it's um, defined here in the Bible, uh, in the Greek. Fellowship is participation of social intercourse, not sexual intercourse, but social intercourse. In other words, you are involving yourself. It means a distribution. And so when you you fellowship together, you should be seeking to help one another. I know one person said, well, when we all fellowship, it just benefits you. Well, why shouldn't it benefit the Torah teacher? (laughs) It should benefit the Torah teacher, and it should benefit everyone. That's the Torah teacher. As someone teach me that, that was what behind the years in this movement. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 6, it says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate. That word communicate means to distribute, to share, okay? To share what you have. And, and you're commanded to do that, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I, I just time and time again, people talk about keeping Torah. They keep Sabbath and Holy Days. But, but why do we keep the Sabbath? Why do we keep the Holy Days? The ultimate reason is because we want to fulfill what the summation of Torah is all about. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, it says the summation of Torah is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's why we keep the Sabbath. That's why we keep the Holy Day. That's why we wear seats. That's why we do all these things to point us to loving our neighbor, not just fellow believers, but also everyone, all of mankind. That's why we obey the commandments. It show us truly how to love people. That's why we keep the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Not to show how righteous we are. And that's, this is what, what I try to, to teach to people. And the word fellowship, tra- with that Greek word, kono eia, kono nia, kono nia, I'm still trying to learn Greek, I guess, kono nia, it means partnership, participation communion, and also distribution. And that word is translated fellowship uh, a lot of times in the apostolic scriptures, uh, but it's also uh, translated um, communicate. Uh, It's it's also giving and sharing. And in Acts 2, verse 42, and they continue steadfasting the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. And then when you read this, uh, people distributed the things and they, and they fellowship with each other and, and they shared things. And you certainly should do that on Shabbat, ladies and gentlemen. And then uh, the complete Jewish Bible version says, for every man, uh, it says, don't delude yourself. No one, oh, what happened here? Woo. Okay, here we go. Galatians 6, verse 6, but whoever is being instructed in the Word should share all good things he has with his instructor. And so everyone, the instructor should benefit, should benefit on Shabbat and Everyone should benefit, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I really, really hope that you get a good idea on how to keep Shabbat by listening to this program today. I really, really hope that you, uh, I hope I uh, have helped you to understand how to to, uh, to keep the Shabbat. And I just hope that this will encourage you to uh, continue on 
and and uh, emulate the apostles and emulate anything. If any of you know me, emulate what I do uh, if it's in line with the scriptures. And that word, the same word that's used, that Greek word that's used uh, for communicate in Romans 12, verse 13, is, is, is translated distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. All right, so to sum this up, keep the Shabbat. Uh, you must fellowship with people. There are exceptional cases, like even if you want to fast, that's understandable. Uh, but fasting, again, based on Isaiah chapter 58, why do we fast? Isaiah chapter 58 is not for selfish purposes. Isaiah chapter 58 um, is also to do good. And doing good is, is not is, is, is geared towards someone else. Isaiah 58, verse 6. It's not just the fast that I've chosen. to loose the bands of wickedness. Now, Yeshua didn't have any wickedness when he fasted. So it's for different reasons. To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide thyself from thy own, do not hide thyself from thy own flesh? Okay, so this is in the context of keeping Shabbat. Because it talks about Shabbat right after this. So there's nothing wrong with fasting. You should not do it at every Shabbat. It should be an occasional thing that you do. But it's, it's for good, and you should do good on Shabbat. Most of the time, Yeshua, as his custom was, he, um, Luke 4, verse 16, states plainly here, Luke 4, verse 16, states plainly that he fasted, uh, that uh, he, uh, this is what he did on Shabbat. He, and he, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, that custom in um, going Greek means to, uh, it says, to be used, uh, his manner. Okay, his manner was he went into synagogue on Shabbat and stood up to read. And, said, and there's another scripture that says the thing, same thing about Paul. Paul did the same thing, and Paul said to follow his example, because in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, it says his ways were in Messiah. And so he, as his custom was, fellowship uh, consistently on Shabbat. And so uh, let me read a scripture to prove that to you here. Um, in Acts 17, verse 2 to 3, in the scriptures version, according to his practice, Shaul went in unto them, and for three Shabbats was reasoning with them from the scriptures, explaining and pointing out that Messiah had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this is Messiah whom I pro proclaim to you. So he fellowship with people every Shabbat. And he commands us to do that and to follow him because he followed Messiah. First Corinthians four verse seventeen says all his ways were in the Messiah and that you should uh, follow him. And he, and he and he taught every every assembly his ways. And his representatives uh, Timothy and Titus taught the same thing that Paul taught, which he learned from Messiah. And then here's another scripture Acts thirteen verse forty two to forty four. And when Yehudim went out of the congregation. The Gentiles begged to have these words spoken to them the next Sabbath. And when the meeting of the congregation had broken up, many of the Yehudim, or the Jews, um, and of the worshiping converts followed Shaul and Barnabas, or Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the favor of Elohim. And on the next Shabbat, almost all the city came together to hear the word of Elohim. So that certainly is one of the main purposes of Shabbat, is to hear the word of God, to be taught, to rest, to fellowship, to pray for each other, to care about each other. If you know of some people uh, to fellowship with that um, that are out in the street and and uh, you know they're they're hungry, you should bring them in. 
this certainly alludes to this in Luke chapter 14. This would be the last scripture that I quote, I hope. <laughs> um, it says, Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 10. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, Luke 14, verse 12. And this is certainly alludes to the Shabbat supper. Then said he also to them, and bade him, when you make of a dinner of, of a supper or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors. Not to say that you shouldn't, but you should try to, to bring people who are, are new in the faith or people that you know of that are struggling. Uh, you should bring them Shabbat meal if they're willing to learn about Shabbat or just to feed them on Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, not they also bid thee again and a recompense be made to thee. But when you make of a feast, call the poor the maimed, the lame, and the blind, that thou should be blessed, for they cannot recompense and reward thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And Jews do this today. They they do invite people and they feed people on Shabbat. They've done that throughout history. So I hope you have a better understanding or easier um, or a more clear understanding how to keep Shabbat. Again, I just want to emphasize, I've been keeping Shabbat for over 30 years. And I always I am learning how to keep it better, but I'm just I just today felt the need and, and inspired by the Ruach Hawk edition, the Holy Spirit to to teach my experience and my understanding on how to keep Shabbat and I hope that you've gleaned something from it and I hope that it helps you to to do what God commands us all to do, uh, in reference to Messiah. And I'm gonna go ahead and quote this scripture here where it tells us and commands us to grow and grace and knowledge. Um, so that means we all don't know it all, and uh, we we uh, can still learn something, even if we think we know it all. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Master and Savior, Yeshua Messiah. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so with that, may Yah bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to speak to you next week. Shalom. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day.